to introduce a theme for today's talk. I could do with um, a couple of volunteers, and I'm, so I'm looking out uh, uh, amongst you all. And, and, and so some of them are great at dramas. Some of you are great at sports. Some of you are super clever. Um, and many of you can do amazing things. So I could do with a couple of volunteers um, that, to do a couple of challenges that are actually quite difficult. Uh, and you could be of any age, but if you don't mind being on the camera and coming up to the front, then come up now and we could do with a couple of people to help us. So any volunteers? Come on, there's got to be a couple of brave people up there. You can, uh, yeah, there, oh, there's, there's some people coming now. Yeah, here we go. So we've got, oh, yep, we've got a few people. Have you come as well? So, now, let's have a look. Let's have a look. So what we'll do is we'll have you for the next challenge, yeah. Um, uh, but actually, why don't we have, why don't we have um, uh, Hannah, Hannah, come here, yeah, with Samuel, yeah, and I want you two to do the first challenge. It's quite simple, yeah. All I want you to do is to touch your elbow on your nose. Off you go. Can you do it? Actually, Samuel's doing quite well. No, Hannah, can you do it? To tip your nose, yes. Well, yeah, there you go. Okay, so uh, give him a round of applause. They did quite well there. Samuel's quite flexible. And now you three, yeah, you've got an, a trickier challenge. You almost guess what it is there when you put out your tongue. What you want to do is try to touch the tip of your nose with your tongue. Do you think you can do that? Do you think you can do that? No. Uh, no, okay. Yeah, I have confidence in you. So you ready? Close? Go on, stick out your tongue. You're not too embarrassed, are you? Yeah, Leah's got the world's smallest tongue. Letitia, almost there. Let's give him a round of applause anyway. Let's give him a round of applause anyway. So, I've also got a next challenge. Are any of you good at counting? Yeah, okay. So, um, let's see. Do you think that you are able to count the number of pieces of pasta inside here? Okay then. So, let's have a quick check. Count them quickly. Who wants to count them? Okay. One. Yeah, put me in there. That's 11, yeah. And that one. There's not many more to count. <laughs> there you go. 21, 21, and any more? 26. So 28, well done. There's 28 pieces of pasta in there. That was basically just to check if you guys can count. Because really the challenge is, do you think you can count how many grains of sand in there? How many grains of ice in there? Dry rice. Yeah, it is dry rice. It might, it might take a long time. How about this then, guys? Do you feel as if you could count how many grains of sand are in that bag of sand? No. <laughs> Maybe. Do you think you could count how many grains of sand up on the beach? No, no because some things are impossible, aren't they? Now, um, uh, you, Hannah, who thinks they can count how many hairs of uh, how many hairs are in Hannah's head? Zero. <laughs> More than zero. Got to count. Do you think? Do you think you can count how many hairs? I can't even no, we've got up to one so far. It looks like, I don't know, yeah, um, something you might see in the wildlife where they're grooming each other. Um, no, some things are impossible for us. Let's give the kids a big round of applause for their excellent work. Thank you so much, guys.
So, some things are possible for us, like counting the grains of... Um, uh, counting the pasta, or Samuel managed to touch his elbow on his nose, and some things are definitely not possible for us. And that's what the Bible actually says. The Bible says that although some things are impossible for us, they are not impossible for God. So there's a book in the Bible. It's a biography. It's a life story of Jesus. It's called Matthew. And in it, we read this in chapter 19. With God, all things are possible. And also in chapter 10 of that same book, it says this. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Counting the hairs on our head are impossible for us, but God actually knows the answer. So even when things look impossible, even when we think that there is no way through a situation, even when things seem to be going really badly wrong, I want us to remember that God can do things that we think are impossible. And today, I want us to be thinking about this one question. How daring are your prayers? How daring are your prayers? And do you believe that God will really answer them? And so let's take a look at what our, what our Bible passage has to say this morning on this subject. How daring are our prayers? And there are three things I want to quickly highlight from our passage this morning. And the first is this. It was a hopeless situation. Did you notice it? It was a hopeless situation. Now, the name Herod keeps on coming up in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. Yeah? And actually, it's not the same Herod each time. It's often a different Herod. And they're all part of one family. And the family are power mad and they're ruthless and they're all as bad as one another. So you've got King Herod the Great. Now, actually, he wasn't that great at all because King Herod the Great was the one who ordered the killing and the murder of all those babies in an attempt to get rid of the baby Jesus. Now, Herod the Great had a son, and he ordered John the Baptist to be executed. And now, his son had a son, so this is Herod the Great's grandson, and that's who we read about in our passage today. That's Herod Agrippa. He had just killed James. Let's think about that for a moment. This is one of, of Jesus' inner circle. And in, in, in one sentence in the Bible, we've just read that Herod had just killed James, and now he had arrested Peter. And we read that, that Herod had killed James, he'd put him to death by the sword, and when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he arrested Peter with one thing in mind, to do the same. He was going to kill him. But it was a Passover festival. So Herod put him in prison whilst the festival was completed. And the plan was, in a couple of days, once the festival was over, he was going to bring him out, have this sham public trial, and put Peter to death also. You know, this was a hopeless situation. Let's imagine you were there at this time. You've got this power-hungry crazed ruler with a track record of killing the apostles and now he's got Peter set in his sights and he's not only got set in his sights he's got him under arrest and Herod wasn't going to leave anything to chance because he'd had him did you notice in the passage he didn't just have him chained to one prisoner which would have been standard for the day he had four guards 
four guards and four squads of four guards, which meant there were 16 men guarding Peter. So what the writer of Luke, this gospel, is trying to get across to us is that it was a completely hopeless situation. As I said, normally it would be enough for a prisoner to be handcuffed to one guard. But we read here the prisoner, Peter, was handcuffed to two guards and outside the cell was another two guards. And uh, these guards were on duty only for a short amount of time because these four guards were rotated every few hours. Why? To make sure that they were always alert and awake and ready. Herod was leaving nothing to chance. So imagine, even if Peter had managed to beat up the guards either side of him, evade capture, break out of his cell, get past another two guards, he even had to get through the city gates, the gates to the city. You know, some of you, I'm maybe showing my age here, uh, but there was a program that I can remember watching called Prison Break. Who can remember Prison Break? Yeah, okay. So, so, I mean, that Prison Break has nothing on what Peter was facing here. It was a hopeless situation. And yet, did you notice what Peter was doing through it all? Even though it was hopeless, Peter was able to sleep peacefully. And it reminds me of Paul, Paul and Silas, later on in the, same, um, uh, in the same book in Acts, we read that Paul and Silas are captured, they're flogged, in other words, they're whipped, and then they're thrown in prison, and got their, feet, their feet are put in stocks. And do you know what we hear, what Paul and Silas are doing that very night? They're singing hymns to God. Both Peter and Paul remind us that with God, we need not be anxious. We can have perfect peace. For them, they were facing the very real threat of execution. And even this did not worry them because they knew that Jesus had defeated death itself. Now, uh, go back, uh, years and years and years ago, there was a group of people called the Early Church Fathers. And one of them was called John Chrysostom. Now, I'm not quite sure if I'm pronouncing his name uh, correct. I'll ask him when, uh, in heaven if I get there. Um, so, uh, and he wrote the following. He said this, It is a beautiful thing that Paul sings hymns whilst Peter sleeps. And it is a beautiful thing that Paul sings hymns whilst Peter sleeps. And this is what I want us to think about today. You know, if you're facing a hopeless situation, a situation that seems so bleak, a situation that you are seeing no way out of. You know, what can we do when we're faced with seemingly hopeless circumstances, when we feel as powerless as Peter did and the early church did? You know, perhaps there's a relationship in your life that seems beyond repair, that all hope is gone, that that ship has sailed, or you feel trapped where you are and you can see no way out. Or perhaps you feel caught in destructive patterns of behavior that you just can't seem to break free from. Or you've been struggling with a medical issue for some years now. Whatever hopeless situation you may be facing, let us learn from this passage today and let us learn from the early church. What did this little community of Jesus followers in all its powerlessness do against the armed might of Rome? What could they do? 
Well, we read what they did. They were moved to passionate and persistent prayer. And that's our second point this morning. The first one, it was a hopeless situation. So no matter what hopeless situation you are facing, we can move on to the second point, which is passionate and persistent prayer. When faced with a hopeless situation, the followers of Jesus turned to passionate and persistent prayer. And we read this in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Now, some of you will know that the Bible was actually written in Greek, yeah, and so we have to translate it to English, and some very clever people try to do that, and they translate it, and sometimes the words are a little bit different depending on which version of the Bible you are. It all means the same, but let me read to you some other translations of this same verse. So here in, the, in our church Bibles, it says they were earnestly praying. In another version, it says fervently praying. In another version, it says constant prayer. In another version, it says intense prayer. In another version, it says prayer without ceasing. Then we read persistent prayer and continual prayer. These are just from a few different versions of the Bible. See, their prayer is characterized by two different things. One over here is passion. You know, their prayers are fervent and they're intense. And over here, we've got passion, but also persistent prayer. We read that they prayed without ceasing, that their prayers were constant, that they were continual. And so we return to the question that we're looking at today, and it's this. How daring are your prayers? And do you believe God will really answer them? Because the prayers of the early church were certainly daring. When faced with a hopeless situation, they turned to prayer. The only power that the powerless have. And what a power it is. Prayer is so important. It is powerful. It changes us. But it has the power to change impossible situations. So a hopeless situation, passionate and persistent prayer, and lastly, an amazing rescue. The prayers of Peter's friends in this passage are clearly daring. They were asking God for a miracle. But obviously, if you think about it, they didn't really expect God to do such an amazing rescue. For when Peter knocked on the door of the outer entrance, Rhoda recognized his voice and was actually so surprised to hear Peter, the other side of the door, she actually left him outside. She was so confused, she was so flummoxed, she left him outside. Can you imagine how Peter must have felt when he'd been left outside? You, you know, would he have felt upset? How would you feel? Confused? Scared? That at any moment, you know, they'd realize that you'd escaped and you might get captured again? Or perhaps you might find it a little bit funny. Perhaps you'd find it funny. You see, it's little details like this in the Bible that prove to us that this really did happen. It's not a nice little story to make us believe in Jesus. It really did happen. An angel did appear to Peter and helped him to escape an impossible situation. Because if I was making up a story, and if you were making up a story, I doubt we'd ever include this funny little detail about how Peter was left outside by Rhoda. And we certainly wouldn't want the disciples to look bad. And that's what really happens in this passage, because the disciples were totally shocked that God had answered prayer. Did you notice that? 
When Rhoda told the disciples that Peter was at the door, what did he say? What did they say? They didn't say like, oh, of course, you know, we prayed and that's what God does. He answers prayer. If you pray with faith, he answers. He does the impossible. No. What do they say? What do they say to Rhoda? They say, and, and let's put this in perspective. We read in, in this passage that at that moment, there was a large group of them gathered and praying earnestly for Peter's release. And when they hear that Peter's at the door, what do they say? Rhoda, you're out of your mind. That's exactly what they said. Rhoda, you're crackers. Of course God couldn't do that. Verse 13 to 16. Peter knocked on the outer entrance. The servant girl came Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was overjoyed and ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were astonished. You see, our God is the God of the impossible. He has the power to transform whatever hopeless situation you may be facing. And we are just called to passionate and persistent prayer. And our God is able to do things that blow our minds, that are beyond our wildest dreams. And my prayer for us all today is that we would remember that no situation is hopeless. And that through passionate and persistent prayer, God is able to do immeasurably more than what we could ever ask or imagine. My prayer for us, for each one of us, that we would be astonished, like the disciples were astonished, astonished at the saving power of Jesus. Let us stand, we're going to pray, and then we're going to worship together. So let's stand.